The Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, and my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, The Pod Doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing all the crazy ways that our wonderful foot can malfunction and cause us problems. So please find us on all the platforms where you find your typical podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on The Pod Doctors. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné. I'm here with my partner, Dr. Rafi Hussain. And today we're going to talk about recurrent neuromas. So this would be, you know, a, a post-op complication from having a quote-unquote neuroma, which is really just a nerve entrapment, removed. And anytime you cut a nerve out, you can potentially cause a stump neuroma or, you know, further problems. The funny thing is, yeah, in this, we just don't see the nerve look like that. Most of the time, it's a spindly little nerve. There may be a little bit of fibrosis. But one of the interesting things that um, you know I came across studying this for the last 20 years is there's really some unique articles about what we think of as pathology of the nerve. When you take this nerve out and you send it to the pathologist, so let's say you go to you go to a, a orthopedic surgeon or a podiatric surgeon who wants to take the nerve out. Typically, they're going to take that tissue and send it off. The path report says perineural fibrosis. Yeah, very well, normal. Very, but the problem with that is that they did a study where they compared patients who had that procedure done, that painful nerve removed and sent off, and then they looked at uh, cadaveric samples from people who had never ever had any forefoot pain diagnosed or treated, and the pathology samples from the pathologists all look the same. So what are we treating? What, what is the issue? The issue we believe and have believed for decades now is that the ligament is the problem. It's yeah. just like carpal tunnel and that the ligament is the problem. This band of tissue right here that's coming exactly. apart the metatarsals. So if you release that ligament and decompress the nerve, you're going to typically avoid all of those downstream complications of stump neuroma and potential for chronic nerve pain. What would you say is the normal treatment for stump neuroma classically? Just excision, right? It, I mean, it, further excision. So we'll talk about some better options. No, no, I'm talking about what is the go-to treatment nowadays versus what you're recommending now. I think Again, I think it's further resection. Yeah. It's just going in and cutting the nerve further back. Because yeah. most people are still going through the top of the foot. So they're doing a technique where you grab it with an Alice clamp, you pull it taut, and then you, you clip it. 
If you could yeah. imagine getting a nerve from the bottom of the foot, trying to spread these metatarsals, I mean, you're literally, you have your incision maybe four centimeters in length, and your working space is maybe a square two centimeters, mm -hmm. right? You're trying to spread those metatarsals, which barely move, and you're trying to grab a nerve that's on the bottom of the foot and remove it and hopefully bury it in muscle or bone. Or, or really have it retract back. Or retract back. Well, that, yeah, buries that, itself into right. muscle, yeah. And that's asking a lot. So I think we can be much more precise. And so for the folks that end up having this problem chronically, we end up doing, I think, some other things that are more precise and have better outcomes, uh, further chances of a, a second stem row forming. So would you say the new trend nowadays is to do a neurolysis versus... Um... Yeah, absolutely, but it's still a growing wave because you still have a whole generation of surgeons. Oh, yeah. I think the go-to, I mean, in every textbook you read, still it'll say um, nerve right. excision is the gold standard, but yeah. there is a trend... Uh, leading to you know, decompressions, right. um, which hopefully will no longer be a trend and start yeah, being. Yeah, I, I hope because if you look back, how many things are we still doing 125 years later? Yeah. I mean, that's literally what we're talking about. The treatment for this, the hacking out of the nerve, was first described in the early late 1800s, early 1900s, and and we have what we haven't come up with a better choice since then. Yeah, it's the only nerve entrapment in the whole entire human body where our first choice is let's hack the nerve out. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So if you come to grips with the idea that this is really a nerve entrapment and not some strange you know growth of the nerve, that this this ligament is truly part of the pathology, a significant part, if not completely the culprit, then uh, if you can come to grips with that idea and that becomes your thesis, then taking the nerve out doesn't make any sense unless you have to. This is what Dr. D is talking about, endoscopic yeah. nerve compression. We're literally going with small cameras, two ports or sometimes one, depending on what set you're using. We go in between the metatarsals and we're releasing that nerve, just like how you do your carpal tunnels. Most people have slowly transitioned to doing endoscopic carpal tunnel uh, releases. Mm -hmm. Same thing with your uh, Morton's nerves or uh, whatever interdigital nerves. We're literally releasing the band of tissue, your deep transverse metatarsal ligament, um, which is pressing down on that nerve and pulling those bones together. Mm -hmm. We release that nerve and release, release that ligament, right. allowing those metatarsals slightly spread out and prevent that nerve from being pinched off. And you can see there's, a, there's an excursion there between the metatarsals that you don't have before. So yeah. it, it's real tight before and after you release the ligament, then now these guys can move around a little bit. The nerve doesn't get shoved up into... Uh, so these are actual uh, pictures from Steve Barrett, who actually developed the instrumentation set that we're using. And so get, kudos to Dr. Barrett. Um, small incision top to help spread out the metatarsal. Small incision in the inner space for the camera. We mm -hmm. literally go in. You're going in. You're seeing the, the deep transverse metatarsal ligament. Sorry, these pictures aren't the greatest blown up. And, and then you're releasing it. Right under this, if, if we're looking up, through that scope right now, if you flip it around, you would looking down and you see that nerve. Right, and we don't necessarily look for it. Where we don't, um, we don't want to irritate it any more yeah. than it's already irritated. So the whole goal of the procedure is to go in and release the ligament, and that literally takes me eight minutes. Yeah, in and out. Yep, very quick. So if you failed neurolysis, which really only happens about ten percent of the time, and most docs don't even start with neurolysis. Right, that's the. I think that's the fallacy. That's the problem. If you start with neurectomy, where else are you going to go? You're yeah. just going to be hacking out more nerve. 
if you start with neurolysis or decompression, then you can always go to neurectomy if you need to. And you're going to reduce the number of neurectomies you're doing to the point where your outcomes are going to be better because you're not hacking out nerves that didn't need to come out in the first place. Yeah. So I think if you happen to be being treated by a, a surgeon right now for uh, quote unquote Morton's neuroma, which, you know, we, is really a term we're trying to get away from. Yeah, it's not a neuroma. It's interdigital neuritis. It's neuritis or nerve inflammation between the toes. So if you, it's a misnomer. So neuroma kind of implies this large, bulbous, you know, injured nerve. In fact, even a cut nerve. A true neuroma is a cut nerve that now has, you know... A, spindles a, a, circling. A, yeah, now has a stump neuroma for me. So it's really a bad... It's bad terminology. We're trying to get away from that. And I think the best nomenclature is interdigital neuritis. So here's what a classic neuroma or stump neuroma looks like. Mm-hmm. You have the nerve um, spindles coming through, and the end is um, blocked off, injured, whatever. So instead of growing out to where it's supposed to provide either sensation or muscle innervation, it's a little bundle ball of angriness. It literally starts turning back on itself. It, it Yeah, it's a complete mess. So this is showing some of our options. So one of the options is to go back in, cut the nerve further proximally or further oh, towards the center of the body, and, and this in the foot would be in the uh, kind of in the arch right behind the mm-hmm. metatarsal heads and then literally plug it into muscle. And you could literally take a little epineurial suture um, and suture that into the muscle and hope that it grows into the muscle and it's happy. That's what most people do for a recurrent stump neuroma nowadays. When they've gone in, excise the nerve and a nerve uh, stump neuroma forms, they'll go back in rather than from the top, they'll go from the bottom. And they'll Which, go in and it works. That's, it, I think that's my preferred decision regardless. Yeah, t- totally. But the nerve implantation, the muscle implantation only works a certain percentage of the time. You can still get a neuroma, um, a stunt neuroma forming in the muscle. Yeah. So uh, we're hedging our bets these days and we're either using the nerve cap. This or, is my preferred. Or we're connecting nerve, the, you know, if, the, if it's two branches, if it's the yeah. second inner space and the third inner space, you can connect them to each other. And we do that with a nerve connector and oftentimes with cadaveric craft. So a couple other things you can do uh, aside from, you know, nerve caps. Um, you can implant it to a non-specific nerve branch that you catch up in uh, the muscle belly. Um, you can turn it back into itself and do a neurophy. You can bury it into a motor branch or the other uh, caps that are muscular. Most people use the regular um, nerve caps, but these are uh, things that came across. So when you have a classic Morton's neuroma, like we talked about, this is what the top looks like. We're going in and freeing up that deep transverse metatarsal ligament and hoping to see some type of bulbous nerve poking out underneath it. If you come in from the bottom, you don't have any of that. You literally have fat pad and the nerve right there. Um, that's what we prefer to go from the bottom. So um, For the redos. For the, yeah, for yeah, the revisions. Yeah, yeah. So muscle translocation can work, uh, capping them with the, the porcine submucosa, which is um, essentially pig intestine mm-hmm. materials that, that are designed for this. They're actually designed to fit different size nerves. Uh, it has been very effective as well because the porcine submucosa uh, gets replaced by your own tissue within you know months, and, and that can be really effective. So here's what it looks like when you're excising a nerve, your classic nerve excision. You can see that nerve, it's a little swollen, it's a little bulbous. You can see it branching out to come in and innervate that third inner space between the uh, the third and fourth toe. Going in and excising it, the goal classically is to pull it back as far as possible, snip it and let it retract into healthy muscle belly. But that, you know, you're, you're asking a lot. I mean, you're, you're kind of... Hoping. 
crossing your fingers and going, okay, I hope this works. Um, I just don't think that's an, a, a real effective way to, um, I think, be precise. This is a unique case that we did on a patient who had had neuromas, quote-unquote neuromas, removed from the second, third, and fourth interspace. Each one of these sites failed. This patient was in excruciating 24-7 pain. They literally came to me and said, if you can't make this better, I don't want to be around anymore. You know, a little bit of a uh, little bit of pressure there when the patient's threatening, you know, uh, yeah. definitely is having suicidal right. ideation based on their chronic pain. So uh, we talked to them about several different options, but the one we chose was actually connecting their medial and lateral plantar nerves and giving them numbness throughout the, the plantar aspect of the foot. What, and what you happens, can do that with a, with a conduit. That's a conduit. Yeah, there. what happens with these patients is that, that chronic pain, morning, night, morning, night, it just... It can become centralized. It changes their brain chemistry. They, they can be extremely irritable. Yeah. It destroys families. It can be really, really difficult. So th there are times when you have to use the nuclear option, and that would be, you know, uh, basically take out the sensory ability for the plantar aspect of the foot. But this was, again, this was a pretty extreme yeah. case. So when you're, when you're doing the conduit, the downside to the conduit, which is one of the reasons we don't use them that often anymore, is that you see on the far right, you get that hourglass effect. Yeah. So only a few of the axons are making it through, and a lot of it gets scarred in. When you use the decellularized cadaveric graft that we see in the middle, it, it approximates what you're getting with autograft, which is, you know, if you took someone's sural nerve out of the side of their calf, you can use that material as a graft to repair other nerves. Well, now we have these decellularized cadaveric grafts that come in lengths up to 70 millimeters. Wow. So anything less than 70 millimeters, we, we don't have to go find another nerve to destroy that nerve and use it to fix this, this other nerve. So we're using the cadaveric grafts because of this architecture. So the right-hand picture there is an electron micrograph. So it's a really, really powerful image of the in, of the architecture of that graft. And it's basically just a bunch of tubes. There's no more cells but it handles like nerve. Yeah. It's really cool. And it allows those nerve trophic um, growth factors to, to move through that material and allow the nerve to grow into it and through it, which is what makes it really unique. And so for this particular use case, we're trying to find a length of cadaveric nerve that will allow that interdigital nerve, that common nerve to, to peter out. And not not in that case where you uh, uh -huh. got some better ones. There, you go. Yeah. there we go. So that's a perfect example of what a stump neuroma looks like. So that nerve is literally tethered into the joint capsule. And this is the bottom of the foot. And the patient's walking on this all day long and it's just killing them. That's what can happen when your first choice is have the nerve excised. Yeah, so if it doesn't back up into the muscle, it's going to find its way into the joint capsule and just become a scarred mess. So in this case, we were able to... Uh, utilize our cadaveric graft and and do that construct. So it's native nerve. Yeah, it's so you a, took it back to where it's healthy. Right. It's native nerve, it's conduit, and then cadaveric nerve. And then we take that whole construct and we, we plug it into muscle. So if it makes it all the way to the end of that nerve, it's got a nice vascular muscle belly, and it'll likely stay happy and, and not try to grow to the end of the foot. But we're hedging our bets by attaching it, by connecting it to this this 30 millimeter length of of cadaveric graft. So if you've got, you know, nerves in both inner spaces, you can connect them to each other. And that's, we have another good case showing that. But the idea is you've got native nerve on either side, you've got a connector, and then you've got the cadaveric nerve in the middle. 
you're always leaving a little gap. You want about a one or two millimeter gap between the native nerve and the cadaveric nerve because the body's going to fill that gap better than we, we can, if we, even if we use the, the microscope. So here's a patient who had neuromas removed in the second and third interspace mm-hmm. by another surgeon. They, they, it completely failed. They never got pain relief. Yeah, and you came back pretty far, it looks like. Yeah, that's my incision now. That's a transverse incision just proximal to the metatarsal heads, but that's you're going to catch that nerve at its bifurcation. That's nice. So it, it works well. And you can walk them after this. So we can weight bear patients after this. So if you go through the next couple of pictures, it's showing us dissecting that out. We're, we're cutting the nerves. Uh, you're separating those two branches, it looks right. like. And we're cutting them out at an area where the nerve should be normal. But if yeah. I send a sample of that nerve at that site where you shouldn't see pathology, I'll get pathology. Yeah. Guarantee you. So is it truly, is perineural fibrosis just the, nor- the normal state of that nerve in the, in the foot, yeah. in the average patient? Probably, Maybe. Probably. Um, or the pathologists are overreading it either way. So here's your conduit, yeah. here's your graft, right. here's your other conduit. So we're expecting the nerve to grow into itself, those two branches to grow into each other essentially. And, and that will allow the nerve to basically um, go nowhere. And it's called a blind loop. And that blind loop technique works really well. And we plug that into muscle and then suture the plantar fascia over that to protect it. I want people to appreciate how small these sutures are. I mean, these they're things... N- they're nino, nino nylon, so it's they're thinner than thinner, your hair. Yeah, it's thinner yeah. than your hair. So we do this with uh, with loops, with four, four times or four and a half time loops. Yeah. Capping the nerves, another uh, technique. It's less expensive than the, than the cadaveric graft. And we've had good success with this as well. So this is the porcine submucosa. We can show a couple pictures. This was another extreme case. This was a patient who, another patient who'd had. Looks like a tarsal tunnel. Well, we we had to go back to the tarsal tunnel and just basically um, tease out the sensory fibers in the medial and lateral branches and, and cap them off because they just wanted numbness. They had had six different surgeries. They'd had radiofrequency ablation. They'd had alcohol sclerosing injections. And the nerves were completely shot wow and so these are the little nerve caps that uh almost sit on top of the end of the nerves and make sure that they don't grow back right and there's a wall in between so that wall inside that tube separates half the axons and so it's harder for them to then turn back on on themselves so the the design of the cap is unique and that little tab is nice because we can hold that with a hemostat and and stabilize it while we're suturing the nerve in so here's another Example of using the cap up in the leg. This is a superficial fibular nerve, and you yeah. can barely even make out the the suture. You can barely see yeah. the, the wisp of the nino nylon. But yeah, you got to use loops with this. It's just uh, too hard. So if you never destroy a nerve, you won't have to deal with the stump. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Well, phenomenal, uh, phenomenal lecture, Dr. D. Cool. Well, so I think the the moral of the story is if you're being treated for quote-unquote neuroma, and you failed conservative therapy, meaning maybe they've tried orthotics, maybe they've tried injections, consider finding somebody who's adept or at least interested in trying to decompress the nerve before they hack the nerve out. Yeah, a 90-plus percent success rate? I'll take that Yeah, back. I mean, there aren't many surgeries we do that 9 out of 10 times you're going to have excellent uh, results, and that this is one of them, so we'll I'll do these all day long. And the MEND procedure, which is the endoscopic procedure, it literally is eight minutes in the operating room. You're back in regular shoes in three days. Yeah. The stitches come out at 10 days. You can shower at day three. So uh, as far as post-op, 
course is concerned, it's probably the most, most minimal, minimal thing we do. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to skip that step. And I've had colleagues say, well, what about the, the nerve that I've done the ultrasound or the MRI for? And it's, you know, it's two centimeters wide or something. I, you know what? I, I've spent 20 years doing this procedure first and then looking at our data to see if are a large percentage of these failing because of the size of the nerve. And, and categorically, I can say no. The, the ones that, that fail have been an equal distribution of spindly little nerves when we get in there and, and big fat nerves. So I think with this particular procedure, the chances of success are still good, even if you think the nerve is enlarged. Um, so I, I still, I hesitate to hack the nerve out just because of the size of the nerve. And uh, because this has such a short post-op course, relatively easy post-op course, skipping that step just doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. And after doing these for 20 years. Cool. Very good. Well, thanks, Dr. Hussein. Thanks for putting these together. And we will see you next time on Pod Doctors. Thank you for listening to the Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, be safe. See y'all next time. Bye bye.